Hello, and welcome to episode five of the D50 Shades of D&D podcast. I'm Todd, and with me are my co-hosts, Rick. Hey. And James. Greetings, everybody. And today we are talking about the blackest of deaths. Uh, we, we are, I, I just want to let everyone know we are still just doing our recording via Zoom. So there could be some sound quality issues, uh, but we'll just roll with it as is. So Rick, would you like to talk about The Blackest of Deaths? All right, yeah. Uh, the Blackest of Deaths is by uh, Eric Bloat of Bloat Games. Um, Eric is a super prolific uh, um, game designer that has a, uh, a lot of uh, offerings out there, many of which I've kickstarted. Uh, so he's got one, um, uh, he's got a popular series of games called Survive This. So there's like, I think the original one was, was Survive This Zombies. Uh, then he's also got uh, Survive This, uh, uh, there's a vigilante hack where you can play like street level superheroes. And then he's got one that just recently kickstarted very successfully, has not uh, been released yet, but uh, is coming out soon and we'll be super excited to see it uh, survive this fantasy. But in the meantime, he did uh, this project, which is called The Blackest of Deaths. It's, uh, I think it's inspired by The Hero's Journey uh, by James Fawn. Um, it's kind of Eric's take on that. And uh, I think it's called The Blackest of Deaths because well, anytime you've got an adventurer uh, where the party has to leave them behind because you know it's, it, they've got to turn tail and run and uh, it's either their survival or that one character's, um, that character that's left behind to die in the cold and dark dungeon. That is indeed the blackest of deaths. Nice. Yeah. So uh, hey. we're, we're not talking uh, pony crawl classics here. We're talking, right. you know, this is, <laughs> this is dark metal. This is black metal OSR. You know, this is, uh, this is, uh, this is some, uh, this just appeals to, uh, uh, it hits a lot of buttons for me. I'm going to take objection to the fact that uh, I totally think a, you could have a black metal pony crawl with Blackest of Deaths. You could. I, you could. I, I, Rick, <laughs> you, you just need to try it, man. I think you, you I think I'm, you'll um, like I'm, I'm going to go down with the ship on that one. I'm, uh, I just, uh, I'd rather go down with the ship than get on the... Uh, the uh, Pony Crawl Classic Lifeboat. <laughs> that's Not what hard. Uncle Steve. That's what Uncle Steve would have done. That's what I'm gonna do. <laughs> We're gonna so worry I, about I, I, I'm gonna start working on the blackest of ponies uh, hack <laughs> for this game. The boomer has spoken. Oh, you should call it the blackest of beauties. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh. Oh. Uh, I'd like to. I'd like to take this time to apologize to Eric Bloat. <laughs> oh, that would be great todd um, I look all right so so we were delighted to actually have eric bloat himself run us through an adventure on this yeah james yeah, that do you, was do you want to talk about that adventure at all yeah i just want to first like 
thank Eric for taking time out of uh, a Sunday and, and running us through an adventure and putting up with our shenanigans, really. Big time, uh, big time. And just uh, also say that if you ever get a chance to play with Eric, do so. He is such a good DM. Uh, he, he did a great job uh, just really, like, laying out an interesting scenario and just letting us roll with, uh, you know, uh, the situation. So it was a fairly straightforward dungeon uh, that we went into. I, I was playing a ranger uh and rick uh was playing uh what were you playing rick a monster slayer a monster slayer which i, I think we'll talk about uh later but and then todd was i playing, was grim slayed the necromancer that's right uh and um is it yeah, time so, to bring up the uh the, the diablo feel that that some of us yeah. got from that yeah, so I I super got a Diablo feel from it. So so the blackest of deaths, it already has that you know, like you said, black metal kind of uh, yeah. feel to it. Yeah. Uh, and um, one of the one of the cool things about the system that makes it unique and different from you know um, Dungeons and Dragons and uh, older editions. Uh, is that it removes one of the largest sacred mechanics of role-playing games levels. Yep. <laughs> you never level up in Blackest nope. of Deaths, which is not Diablo-like particularly, but um, what was gave me the Diablo feel is that the dungeon was going to be tough, and you're never going to level and get more powerful than you are at the beginning. Besides uh, getting uh, magic items, which besides, is very, which is very Diablo. Yeah. So yeah, the only way that you get more powerful is to get more and more magic items uh, and equipment. Which yeah, definitely gave me the action RPG feel to it, and it, and it really just made it feel like yeah, I want to run through dungeons with this. And uh, oh, absolutely. So. But back to the adventure, we, it was a very standard, you know, kind of uh, there were pigmen in a cavern. Green-skinned uh, pigmen. Green-skinned pigmen in a cavern. That were, that were not orcs. They were not orcs. That was an interesting take, actually. Uh, so more like Gamorian guards, I, I guess. And, well, yeah. I think they were orcs. We just didn't know what orcs were. That, oh, I think it came up in the oh, game where uh, yeah. he, he specified that they were not orcs. They oh, were okay. pigmen. Okay. Yeah. Orcs were... Because uh, species. Yeah. James's, uh, James's uh, ranger had the uh, common ability that amongst rangers to uh, get uh, bonuses versus giant kind. And giant kind uh, were defined in the book by including orcs. And when that was brought up, Eric gently pointed out that these were not orcs. These were pigmen. Nice. <laughs> so... Yeah, um, so we we initially, uh, a few of us had the ability, so um, we all started out with spells just about, I think. Everybody had spells. Everybody had spells. So um, two of us had invisibility. I had one that I could cast once on myself, uh, and Todd had it, I believe, could cast three I times. think I had three uses, yeah. Yeah, so so we took the the coward's way and and cast invisibility to check out the situation. Uh, snuck past the initial guards. Uh, there was uh, you know a fork in the dungeon 
one room of a heavily guarded door um, with, uh, you know, that had been barred by one side and a, a set of stairs uh, going up the other way. Um, we uh, used uh, our invisibility by uh, yelling in orc voices to open the door, that, pretending we were the guards that we had snuck past, and they bought it. Uh, and then basically all chaos broke out, and it was uh, a bloodbath. As is wont to do in such a game. Yeah, and uh, we we totally just triggered all the encounters, except for the <laughs> guards me. who ran off uh, because they knew they were going to be in trouble. So so I did uh, – we do have a recording of the session. I, I don't know. It, it, I'll have to go back and listen to it. Maybe we'll release it at a later date as a special thing. We uh, we don't know. Uh, uh, I'll have to listen to it, maybe edit it, and, and see what happens. Uh, Speaking of later thing, I can't believe this is episode five, by the way, that I, uh, I thought for sure we would have been canceled by now. Oh, yeah. Well, I haven't opened any of the letters from corporate, so I, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Uh, let's just, like, let it keep – let it slide, just see how long, you know – we can make this go. I'm yeah. just saying I haven't seen any like you know payments come through yet. So uh, you know, uh, you know that checks in the mail, Rick. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. These games aren't cheap. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Let's yeah. be honest. You were gonna buy it anyway. <laughs> so, so on, on the our, our last episodes that we had to split in two, we ran a little long, uh, probably because we had to. Uh, lay off Lauren, our script editor, ahead of time. <sighs> yeah. And so we, we went a little bit off the rails. F that guy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, was not a nice person. But, um, yeah. yeah, so Blackest of Deaths, uh, the one thing that struck me right out of the gate about starting the adventure, though, was that because there are no levels, we started out fairly competent like yeah oh, we, we were that's, that's that's the exchange is that you don't level up but as a first level character i think you're you're more competent than what you're used to with some of uh it's uh ad and d or D D cousins yeah as as the necromancer i had three spells i could cast three times a day yeah um i as an elf uh ranger i could forest walk uh which meant i could basically travel invisible through a forest uh i had um yeah like uh giant slayer that gave me advantage on uh attacks against uh, a whole class of things and uh advantage with all of my archery so nice that was that was pretty pretty nice uh when we were picking off these pigmen at a distance um yeah so so that struck me was was that you start off super you know in a competent. much better place yeah competent yeah, yeah for so sure. like the day before we we played i had just finished clark ashton smith's zothique oh so good. and i happened to be the necromancer so maybe this was just channeling through my brain maybe i picked up on it in the game you know as i look at some of uh you know as i look at the zombie in in the book and the 
the lich and the necromancy spells. Maybe uh, there's a bit of a Clark Ashton Smith uh, influence in this game. I definitely got the Clark Ashton Smith vibe, uh, yeah. especially from the fact okay. that, you know, five or six adventures into this, since you don't level up, the odds are you're going to die. So it, it's, it's kind of a, a, a stripped down mechanic. Uh, instead of uh, ability, your ability scores are more like just your attribute bonuses. Right. Uh, so there's a lot of extraneous information that's usually on a character sheet that isn't. Uh, there's several unique classes that you don't see in many other games. Uh, unique races. Uh, Half Medusa and Goblin are playable races. Changeling. Uh, the classes, assassin, barbarian, beastmaster, fortune hunter. That's that's the the chief inspiration of the. Uh, that's where I got the uh, Diablo vibe from. Oh yeah. Even though Eric claimed that that was not the influence that we thought it was, but he right. said he had heard that from others besides us. Oh okay. Yeah. Yeah, there's a uh, there's a lot of uh, classes in this. That was surprising. One of the one of my the interesting takes I had was that there is uh, so in OSR games typically you buy you buy a book and it's you know a hundred pages and about thirty to fifty of that is spells. Yeah. Um, this is almost the opposite. Uh, <laughs> uh, most a lot of the book is the the classes and you have i think two three pages of spells that's it well there uh those are like the spells that are made available to characters at first level then there's another grouping of spells later in the book that i think uh, uh that well, you can find uh be it on scrolls uh yeah but there it, is like, only you know. first level right yeah i thought that was cool it's a 205 page book. And so I, I just looked it up on Eric's website. It's $24.99 for the print and PDF copy. A heck yeah. of a bargain. Uh, we had a blast playing this game. It's nice and grim and gloomy and deadly. The kind of thing that we like. Uh, so speaking of likes, uh, let's, let's take a look at the things that, uh, we liked about it rick all right um the core mechanic is to roll a d20 uh like you know all of its dnd cousins do and then also uh with each roll of the d20 you also roll a d6 on that d6 you ignore any result except for a one or a six if you roll a one uh you have either succeeded or failed with uh what's the term he uses um a hindrance uh with yeah. the hindrance so so you know uh it's up to the judge or the or the dm um or in like in eric's case uh to, to follow his example is he like would ask the player like so you tell me like what happens and often the player uh will be especially helpful in coming up well you know i dropped my weapon or you know i uh I missed and struck uh, that column, and the uh, the jolt that ran up my arm made my weapon arm useless for a round, or or that kind of thing. 
whereas if you succeed with a, uh, a benefit, um, then you get an additional benefit that on top of just merely damaging your foe, you also, you know, knock him silly uh, for a round or he, he, he uh, uh, you drag him back five feet or, you know, any number of things that you can imagine. Um, I really uh, enjoyed that and I liked the way it was implemented in the game. It's how you do everything in the game. Uh, saves work like that. Attacks work like that. Uh, ability checks work like that. Um, it's, uh, it is truly a core mechanic. It, yeah. it kind of gave me two vibes. One, the ghost eye in the old Ghostbusters game, oh, where if the yeah. ghost came up, uh, yeah. you could still succeed and something bad happened. But then on the other end, if you rolled a six, it felt a little bit like a mighty deed in Dungeon Crawl Classics. Yeah, that would be that would be a cool um, like uh, uh, supplementary product for the Blackest of Death, where you could have like like maybe a black skull in, in to replace the one, or uh, I don't oh. know what you could do for the six. Uh, maybe like you know, still make it a skull. Skulls are cool. <laughs> yeah, uh, but uh, you know that would be that would be something neat for uh, for this game. Yeah. I think you should do the the hand uh, being shut in the dungeon door uh, that is uh, on the graphic for uh, Blackest of Deaths in the beginning of the book. Okay. <laughs> really good. Um, yeah, I really like I, that mechanic as well. I like, I, you know, it is interesting to bring partial successes in. Uh, this is another area. There were several game mechanics, I think, that Eric chose to put in here that were kind of bold choices for an OSR game. And I, I just want to like applaud him for that, for trying something really uh, interesting and different. Um, you know, this is, uh, I've seen this mechanic in in other games that are more what I would call story games. Uh, Blades in the Dark is the one that I've probably played the most that uses partial success. Uh, one interesting Thing that I think is that he chose only six and one to yes. have something. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it would have been uh, so in Blades in the Dark. I think uh, uh, um, a six is always a success. A one is always a failure, mm -hmm. um, and then four or five are the partial success. Uh, so I, it w I think it would have been interesting to maybe do something with the four or five, which is easily hackable, I guess. So. Um, that's a, that's a that's another thing that I enjoy about Eric's games is like uh, there is a lot of room for your own input and house rules. It almost you know it almost you know begs to be house ruled. Yeah, and uh, I'm sure that's something that he encourages. Uh, oh, you know, he has. A I mean, the, about yeah, it, right? yeah, he <laughs> he has he has a product called Hack This RPG or Hack the RPG <laughs> where you're entitled to like you know you can download it you can strip anything you want out of it you can add your own and as long as you credit him and his game at the beginning you can even sell it and make money off it so uh yeah. good for eric uh yeah. you know so 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 what i really like about this game uh uh is i i like the this grim vibe you know from the name itself the blackest of deaths it, yeah. it starts to invoke a certain feel and then the artwork does a, a great job in the book of setting the mood there's yeah. just fabulous lots of skulls and 
a sword stuck into a skull and zombies. Yeah, starting, starting with the cover, which is by uh, Runehammer, I believe, who uh, he and Eric have worked together before. And uh, that's, a, that's a great start, uh, is the cover um, with the artists that he chose to use. Yeah, and, and the names of the classes, like Street Rat and Monster yeah. Slayer and, yeah. you know, Necromancer. Uh, it, it's just the whole vibe, the, the whole mood. I love the mood and the mechanics fit the mood. Sometimes you get games where they're trying to convey one mood and the mechanics don't necessarily jive with it. But he's done a great job of when you look at the cover and you glance through it, when you sit down to play it, it feels like the game that you're looking at when you look at that cover. 14 year old me would absolutely kill for this game. Um, yeah. You know, and to be honest, uh, well past 14 year old me is pretty fond of it too. <laughs> there's a part of me that really never advanced beyond 14 to be, you know, if I'm being painfully honest. Yeah, I, I hear you there. Uh, I, you know, that's about the age I think I was playing the first Diablo. Uh, yeah, there you and, go. Uh, it was, it was so cool, but it also felt kind of like I'm getting away with something. Like, uh, you know, going to church and, and then coming home and playing Diablo was, you know, uh, it was it was a good time. Uh, it was uh, so this would have fit right in uh, and. Yeah, I, I love the grim vibe. I agree with you totally, Todd, that it, it does a good job of uh, adding mechanics that, that contribute to that, not detract from it. Um, the, the artwork, I think, like you said, is really, really good. I, it's, it's digest size, which, you know, is one of my favorites. And Can I give a shout out to the illustration of the goblin? Have you guys seen the goblin? Yeah, it's fantastic. I mean, we have seen goblins in so many different products and you really sort of have like a pre, you know, you, you know what a goblin looks like. So the fact that they chose um, a kind of a different tack on, on what a goblin, it, to me, it's like if Jack Kirby had been asked to illustrate like an OSR book, it's yeah. uh that's a very Kirby. That is high uh, praise indeed. That is yeah. high praise. And it's a uh, Kirby yeah. goblin for sure. Yeah. It, you know, it reminds me of uh Puck a little bit. Uh just like this grumpy old man goblin. Uh, yeah. So what page is that on, Rick? Twenty. Oh well yeah, now you asked me, put me on the spot. I don't even have yeah. it on book open. I'm just quoting it's, it from memory or oh, wow. referencing it from memory. Do you that's have it open? Oh yeah, there, there we go. Page 20, yeah. Yeah, so definitely it's got a uh, Tales of Asgard look to him, mm -hmm. like in the yep. back of a Journey into Mystery. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, it's... So my gold standard for goblins has always been the Trampier, Trampier uh, goblin from, uh, from AD&D First Edition, but that's a pretty damn good goblin, if I do say so myself. Awesome. I like it. So, so he, here's the tough part. What didn't you like about it, Rick? Okay. Um, James referenced earlier that I played a monster slayer. And uh, initially, you're like, oh, man, I'm all in. That sounds awesome. But upon deeper reflection or deeper inspection, um, 
the Monster Slayer, as it turns out, is essentially just the OSR cleric that we've seen time and time again with a new name, uh, to the point where even like the restrictions and abilities are all, it you know, just just obviously uh, a cleric. Okay, so a Monster Slayer can only use blunt weapons. That works for a cleric. It doesn't really work with like when I envision a monster slayer, I don't really think of them being restricted to blunt weapons. Uh, a monster slayer can can heal, can lay on hands. Um, again, doesn't really say monster slayer to me necessarily, but but it's a necessary uh, function for someone in the party to have that. And the monster slayer can cast spells. That that's cool. Uh, they can cast cleric-like spells like heal and remove curse, but they can also, based on what the player wants, the player's more than, uh, uh, you know, there's no restriction that they can uh, pick uh, magic missile or fireball. And oh, speaking nice. of that, that leads into my second kind of like, I wish it was a little bit different. And of course it's easily hackable is like, there is no difference between really magic missile, fireball or lightning bolt. They're all available as first level spells. They all do a single D6 of damage. So it's really the only difference between the spells mm -hmm. is like the um, the fluff in the sense that, you know, um, a lightning bolt uh, might be more effective. And this is strictly up to the judge or this strictly up to maybe the player like proposing it and the judge accepting it that maybe if uh if the foes were like in a puddle of water it might be more effective or that a fireball might like catch something on fire right or, you know but they all basically all three spells essentially do the same thing do a single d6 of damage i actually kind of like that um i i and this might be why it has a little bit of a diablo feel for me as well is that the type of damage can matter uh, in yeah. some situations, but the spells yeah. are just kind of procedurally off of each other. Mm -hmm. um, just I, know that as a, as a person approaching it and possibly purchasing it, that's yeah. going to be the work of the judge and or you, the player. It's not spelled out in the game itself. But, you know, yeah. I think this game will appeal to a certain type of person that is already comfortable with that. Um, sure. So it might not be ideal for, like, your very first RPG, but... Um, then again, I, I think often when we say things like that, yeah, we don't give people credit enough. Um, Absolutely. You know, yeah. uh, we were all, uh, you know, something was always our first RPG and somehow we managed. So why not give the same benefit of the doubt to people that are now new to the game? So Absolutely. anyway. Kids, the kids are going to be all right. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, I, I think... Uh, and also, like to to go on that, sometimes what you don't include like forces people to bring more imagination sure. to the game. Um, sure. But yeah, I, I, you're definitely right in that. Um, but essentially, I was put on the spot. I was told, like you know, I had to come up with something I didn't like yeah. about the game, so that was mine. <laughs> so this is definitely the nitpicking portion of this podcast yeah. oh yeah yeah in, in regards to a game that we all absolutely loved yeah i think it's no mystery here uh, we're not we're not leaving anything unclear in the sense that we all really like this game and we all we all own it in both print and pdf at this point correct yeah yeah yep so 
yeah, I, I, I love it. It's hard to find something I dislike. I, I do have a minor nitpick. Uh, I'll get to it in, in a second, but like the, the GM uh, advice part uh, of what you said, Rick, did make me think, yeah, this, this game, I think, is really, really good, but it could be like just a, a, a tiny bit better and like be amazing with a little bit more of a GM section uh with stuff like that uh yeah. with how to utilize the mechanics a bit uh yeah. the, the the partial success has like a couple pages but like i think with a gm section that emphasized the game mechanics a couple uh, a little bit would really really help the system like tie everything together um my only nitpick really is the print edition i wish there was a hardback uh and so eric if you're listening Make that happen, buddy. Uh, a, sec- a second edition with a, a Kickstarter or something for a hardback, I would totally be down. The uh, the the paperback's good. The 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 book itself is beautiful. And we don't need we don't need silk ribbons in it. We don't need no, uh, gilded no. edges of the pages. Um, no. You know, just just something that you know, like uh, that maybe one day, twenty twenty five years from now it'll still be holding up like our, our AD and D hardback style. Yeah, for sure. So, so the only reason I, the main reason I say that, that I'd like a hardback is the, uh, the softback, uh, Eric really went all out with the, the paper and it's a really heavyweight magazine, uh, yeah, yes. gloss paper, which I would normally be a, a really big, um, fan of, except I think, uh, in this case, uh, with the softback, it, it kind of leads to the paper being too heavy for the cover. And uh, mine at least is already starting to, to bow a little bit. And maybe it's because I've flipped through the whole thing like five or six times um, and really, really spent some time reading it uh, and really enjoying it. So it's, it's already looking a little well loved. Uh, so a hardback would be, would be awesome. Um, yeah, I, the other thing I think we didn't talk about is that uh, the cool thing is in the hardback edition that you can buy now, there's uh, bonus content in the back. For wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, hardback? Or sorry. The, yeah. Yeah, the, 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 the print, print? print. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, Just yeah. didn't want to confuse our listeners. Yeah. All, all, three, of, all three of them. Yeah. They, well, I, <laughs> what's up, Kojo? <laughs> sorry. Sorry, That's our name. Sorry, about TPKing you. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Rick, we had we we had gotten over that, and you you got to bring it back up now. Yep, yep. Yeah. Well, you know, you gotta you gotta play the hits. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the bonus material. There's, I mean, uh, sixty pages of boner, bonus material, um, or so. And nice. three or four adventures, an extra monster uh, section, which I think was really good because that was one thing I thought like needed more monsters maybe, um, but that the bonus material brings that in the back. Um, yeah, it, the the bonus material is really good. Um, there's some great great people contributed to that. Um, Diogo uh, Nogiri uh, uh, has uh, an adventure in there. 
uh james spawn has uh, uh an adventure in there it's um i think spawn did the uh the introduction as well yeah yes so, which makes sense because he is like uh the uh, hero's journey guy yeah I think, yeah, there's, there's uh, just some great content. One thing I, I kind of wanted, and this is like from the Diablo, Diablo vibe, what would have been great would have been random magic uh, item um, tables. Yeah, I, I, thought it did, I thought it did have that. Does it? Yeah. Did that? Oh. Yeah, I mean, because part of... Uh, part oh, of, yeah, uh, definitely. One of the things I really like about it is like the end of each session, uh, you're allowed to roll on those tables uh, and that's your reward for, since you don't get XP, that's you right. get like a straight up magic item instead. Now we did not do that in our game with Eric the other day, but he did mention at some point, this is what we would normally do if we were gonna play next week or the week after that, mm -hmm. is at this point you would get like a magic weapon. And I absolutely adore that because that's something to, you know, like uh, many games, like uh, they have levels that, you know, it's just unsatisfying, like when you get to a certain level, because you don't get like, um, you only get, okay, yeah, you get another hit die, but you don't get like a, a cool new ability and stuff like that. But having to look forward to, at the end of each session, getting a magic item, that's, that's always going to be cool. That's always going to be, you know, something that, uh, that keep, makes you want to keep going. Yeah. So, yeah. so one of the things we like to talk about when uh, we look at these games is, is who would this be good for? Like, like the whole, why would we play this game in particular when there are D50 other games? And I'm looking, and, and the way, like, the uh, stats are, like, trimmed down to attribute, attribute bonuses, I, I feel like we could, on a drive, to Gary Khan, glance at our character sheets for a few minutes, <laughs> memorize our characters, and actually play in the car ride. Yeah, uh, up, it, up to Wisconsin. I, I it's feel kind like, of stripped down like that. Yeah, you basically only need a D twenty and a D six, from what I can tell. Yes, mm -hmm. and uh, I feel like uh, if we went on, if we were on a camping trip. Yes. or on the road it's it's a great game for that it's a great game for one shot uh you know now that you mentioned a camping trip with this would be amazing it fits in your pack it's oh, yeah. back and so it's, it ends a little bit uh yeah. it could replace those uh scary stories around the campfire you just yeah. turn them into a blackest sure. of deaths adventure for sure i want to mention that also uh, uh with the with the uh, box set that I got on the Kickstarter, uh, I think it was a stretch goal and they made available what they called the meat grinder edition. Oh. And it's essentially, it's more like where instead of like the fairly sturdy hardback of like what, 204 pages, it's more like a, uh, it's stapled. Uh, it feels more like a, like an adventure. And that since it's much slimmer, I believe it's only 50 pages, 52 pages. It looks like maybe 54. Mm -hmm. And it, uh, it's, it's a meaner, leaner version of the game. Uh, it's supposed to, I think it's influenced by uh, Goodman Games and DCC and their funnels. Uh, one notable change from it is that when you're looking through it and it's defining like what you need to know under luck, it says 
there's no luck in the meat grinder, you silly child, <laughs> which, I absolutely, which I absolutely love. So, you know, if you thought the blackest of death was, was uh, harsh, you know, try playing the meat grinder version. That is like, you know, the game with its deadliest turned up to 11. Well, now I want to play that, right? <laughs> well, so, I've got it. <laughs> so what would you steal from this running? game? Uh, so me much. or more James? Well, let's go. You know, Rick, I know you're well known for uh, stealing things from one game to add into another. <laughs> yeah. So what would you snatch from it? I'm going to, I'm going to like, I might not be answering that question exactly as the way you meant it, but this is what <laughs> I'm going to say in my short time anyhow, is I would take this game to run those old, uh, the, I think they were TSR. They were either TSR or very early Wizards of the Coast. Uh, they converted Diablo itself uh, to AD&D stats. And then I think later third edition stats. Uh, it came with, uh, there was at least one lengthy like uh, super module that used it. Um, I would use this game to run those adventures and maybe combine the two in the sense that those games had oh man extensive charts for generating magic items nice. and uh since uh, it's a dream it's a it's it's an absolute breeze to convert uh between the two i think i could run it uh without even any kind of pre-prep time uh i could just run it on the fly and use those tables to convert over to the blackest of death and I think that sounds like that would be a great con game, I think. Nice. What about you, James? Uh, I'm going to go with the running uh, vibe here. Uh, there's several mechanics to steal from this. And I think um, especially like if you get his hack product, uh, a lot of these mechanics are in there. So like go get that and then literally steal everything that you can. But <laughs> uh, what I, what I, you know, you steal everything that's not nailed down until you get a crowbar and then you steal everything, right? Just give him credit. Yeah. Just give him credit for sure. Um, but what I would run with this, I think is, uh, old, older, and this might be heresy, but older Warhammer, uh, adventures really? would be a really good fit for this, I think. Oh Yeah. Uh, it just kind of has a similar Warhammer like um, vibe, more gritty, uh, dark European vibe, dark fantasy. It gives me a hammer horror kind of vibe as well. So, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I think I think anything like that would be fantastic with this. Um, and also, you could do a Conan game really, really well with this. It, it has a very sword and sorcery sort of feel, and the fact that you don't level and you start off very competent is actually feels more conan to me than D. &D. It's, it's very it's very appendix n feeling uh maybe not some of the more well-known tolkien and such definitely not kugel the clever kind of lightheartedness but yeah. uh some of the grittier more dangerous uh appendix n sort of stuff and the the not appendix n should have been appendix n clark ashton smith so yeah. i i'm gonna steal the tasty goblin uh <laughs> page number 20 and 
uh, the creepy looking serpent men. Uh, I really like, uh, you know, there are just tons of things, uh, to steal from this. Uh, you know, we're running pretty long right now, so, uh, we'll probably need to wrap up, but it, it was definitely a delightful game that I, I think we all greatly enjoyed. And Eric was a delight and ran a great adventure for us. And, uh, maybe, uh, we'll, do something with the actual play recording I have. I'm sure somewhere and, uh, on our once mass. Survive, once Survive This Fantasy comes out, uh, we've already asked uh, Eric to come back and maybe run that for us too. So uh, that's something Absolutely. to look forward to. Absolutely. So uh, I guess we'll wrap it up now with some uh, advice from the Good Advice Dwarf, which would really be good for a game such as this. <laughs> and we may have broken all of the rules uh, from the good <laughs> advice to work while playing. Uh, yeah. Never split the party. Never shoot into melee. Listen and check for traps. And we failed on all three counts. And until <laughs> next time, this is the D50 Shades of D&D podcast. See ya. Bye. Yeah, see ya. <laughs> Bye, everybody.